great is his strength. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Wisdom. The reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care, lest the liberty of the, this liberty of yours somehow becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's falling, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. And with your spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. The Lord said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep at his right hand but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, 
Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me, and they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Growing up in a house where your father was a judge, it was not uncommon for us to have the doorbell ring at odd times of the night or have the phone go off and hear my dad speaking to different people on the telephone. But when the doorbell would ring, sometimes it would wake us up and we would be upstairs and we could peer through the stairway and down below we would see my dad speaking to different law enforcement people. They were dressed up in their uniforms, they had their badges, they had their, their weapons. It was a terrifying sight for a young child because we didn't know what was actually happening. The officers were there getting search warrants signed. There would be detectives who would come trying to get the legal papers in order for different things that they had to do. But for us, it was always the fear that they were there for us. As I got older and started to understand what my dad did, and I remember one time when he wanted us or offered for us to come to court with him. If you thought that, seeing the officers down below was terrifying. It was even more terrifying to walk into his courtroom and it would be dead silent and you would hear testimony. But the thing that I remember the most was the loud noise that was made by his gavel. And it sent chills up my spine and even to this day I can still remember that sound. As I read today's gospel, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm shaking up here thinking of what terror I will feel come, feel come judgment day. When I stand before our creator, our maker, and I'm there to 
speak for what my life has been, for all of the things that I haven't done, all of the things that I've done, all of the things that I've regretted. And if that doesn't strike terror into each and every one of us, then I think we need to do some strong looking into our souls and our hearts to see if we really understand what that moment will be and what our time here is meant to be. It's easy to go along and think that because we come to church, because we say some prayers, because we keep the fast that we're on the right track. And sometimes I think that, as with my dad's court, we think in too many legalistic terms, that if we check these boxes and do these things, I'm a good person, so God's going to be merciful to me. And we heard last week the story of the prodigal son, and we heard about God's mercy and how it's all encompassing and forever there for us if we return to him. Yet today, he's judged, the righteous judge. And for many in the world, that creates a conflict. How can this God who is supposed to be so loving, so merciful, so wanting to have us share life with him, how can he cast people into eternal punishment? Some people don't believe it. Some people ignore it. Some people cast it off. But the reality is we are all going to die. We are all going to return to the ground. We are all sinners, and we will all stand before him someday. So when we look at judgment, it's actually not God who's judging us. It's us who are judging ourselves. What do I mean by that? What, why that paradox? Well, when we look at our life in Christ, it's not a transaction. It's not, I do this and I get this in return. And like I said before, if I check these boxes, then in the end, I'll get such and such. Our life in Christ is a relationship. And as a relationship, what it means is that Christ is forever giving to us in abundance. His love never changes. His mercy never changes. His truth never changes. The way in which we are supposed to live is written in the Gospels, which is why the Gospels sit on the altar table. That's our direction. That's our standard. It's not based on the standard of this time. It's not based on the standard of worlds gone or times gone in the past. It's not going to be based on human standards. It's based on what he has given us and what he has taught us. And in that relationship, he's asking us to do something as well, which is to not just take, but to give. And if you listen carefully to the gospel, everything that he's going to judge us on is whether or not we have given, not taken, but given. Stop for a minute and think about your life. What if those police officers who came into my house when I was a young child came into your house 
today, what would they find? Would they find evidence that could convict you as a Christian? Would they find a prayer corner? Would they walk through the house looking for a Bible, not that's just sitting on the shelf, but one whose pages are torn, whose cover is broken, whose pages are soiled, that shows that it's used? What would they find if they got a search warrant for your cell phone? Would they find all sorts of wonderful Facebook and Instagram and emails, but nothing that has to do with the church or with Christ? What would they do if they went on your next Netflix account or looked at your television? How much time do you spend there versus spend reading edifying books trying to learn more about the history of the church, reading the lives of the saints. Each and every one of us has to answer that question. But I think, for me, I don't know that I would be convicted of being a Christian when I look at the standards that Christ has given us. We don't know when our life will end. It may be today, it may be next week, it may be years down the road. But as long as we're here, God is with us and we work out our salvation with him. We need to make it a priority. We need to set other things aside and show him that we really care about having a relationship with him. And what we find is that the more that we give, the more that we will want to give. We will find that as we continue to do that, we need much less because he fills that void of what we've given up. As we come upon great and holy Lent, it's vastly different than when I stood here a year ago. A year ago, we were into the rhythm, we were dealing with a virus that was there, but we were thinking we were going to go through Lent and Holy Week and Pascha as we have in all the past years. And boy, did God show us differently, how things have radically changed. We can't take things for granted, dear brothers and sisters. Life can change so quickly. The time that we have is so small to build that relationship, to repent for our sins. Eternal life is eternal. Let's not waste our time with the frivolities of this world. Let's use this time, let's use the information that we've gotten over this past year of how we need to approach Lent, how we need to approach the services, how we need to approach fasting, so that we can continue to move towards Christ and be enlightened by him. Amen.